Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. On a morning where the whole country seems to be gone lotto mad and the hunt is on and the search is on for who won the Euro Millions last night. 175 million euro has been won by somebody here in uh, Ireland. The winner is the, this win is the eighth biggest win in Euro Millions history. And uh, the the actual national lottery team here in Ireland have also confirmed that the Euro Millions win was the biggest will will be the biggest ever win of a national lottery game. Nobody's ever won that amount before. Uh, here in uh, Ireland and there's much speculation as to where the winner could be and where the winner is from. I mean the last big win and I suppose the big win on Euro Millions that we all talk about would be the, the, the lady from Limerick Dolores McNamara she won back in July of 2005 it wasn't long it's only about a year up and running at that stage yeah it launched in Ireland in 2004 so it was July of 2005 that Dolores McNamara won and at that time it was 115 million euro which is a staggering amount of money and this one figure is even topping that at 175 million. And I was going back through a list that the National Lottery sent on of all of the different big wins that we've had here, here in Ireland with the Euro Millions. And Dolores seems is the only one whose name was on it. Other than there was a syndicate from Stakelums in Thurles that had a big win but there were so many involved in the big win that they came out I think with less than a million uh, each so obviously they decided they would go public on it but anybody else with any of the big wins decided to remain anonymous and that's one of the big talking points here this morning you know outside of what would you do with the money and everyone has dreams and ideas of what they would do with the money including the argument oh it's too much for one person but you know give, give me a shot at it I'd try to make a lot of people happy if I was given that, that amount of money it would come with it a lot of headaches I appreciate that but it also could bring so much joy and then you could go on to bring so much joy to so many people and indeed you'd be doing it for future generations because you really would be setting up your family for years and years long after you're gone there will be money there to look after people who haven't even been born into their family uh, yet and think of all the fantastic charity work that you could do with money like that it would be I think the the excitement of it all could, could nearly kill you with the shock anyway 
There's lots of discussions as to what, what would you do with the money. But I suppose the other big question is, would you remain anonymous? Do you think when Dolores, uh, Dolores McNamara, I wonder, does she regret her decision to go public? Because the spotlight really went on her at the time. I remember reading some newspaper articles sort of in the years afterwards where she was almost living in a, in a fortress because she was so afraid of kidnap attempts or people trying to blackmail her and she was almost in, in a fortress in the house that she had built in, in Limerick. I don't know how she's doing now. You don't read or hear much about her. Her name only gets mentioned and her photograph will appear back in the paper when there's big wins like this. But as I say she won it in 2005 so that's 14 years ago. I take it after 14 years her life has settled down a, a bit but I don't, don't know if anybody knows how she's actually getting on. So would you remain anonymous is that the best way to go would it be hard to remain anonymous would it be hard to keep it quiet that you had won that amount of money because see the danger is you start telling your obviously your family are going to need to know there's going to be a circle the circle of people around you it's keeping everybody else quiet isn't it and of course if one person tells one person then I'll just tell one person no I won't tell anybody else and then it goes on and on and that's usually how the word gets out we will speak with the National Lottery a little bit later on on the programme but your thoughts on that incredible win for somebody here in Ireland 175 million uh, euro and we're doing our bit here on C103 as well to make people a little bit richer not richer to the tune of 175 million but we are giving away 5,000 euro in cash on the C103 cash tracks with Kavanaugh's we have a superstar of the day that we call out every day you first get to hear the name of the superstar with Simon at 8.15 Today's superstar is Take That. We had Adele yesterday and we had Queen on Monday. So it's the turn of Take That today. You need to listen out for two Take That tunes. They will be played back to back and uninterrupted. And when you hear the second song playing, get dialing on 1850-333-103 and caller 50 will win €500. Euro. And we're doing it every day across this week and every day across next week. So we'll have 10 winners in total and we'll give away. We're spreading the love uh, in total, giving away €5,000. C103 cash tracks with Cavanaugh's the new name for Ford and Mallow for new and used car sales, visit com. But make a note, it is Take That, who you are listening out for today. We mentioned yesterday on the programme when we, we were discussing the traffic plans and the proposed traffic plans for Castletown Bear. And a couple of people from the Mallow area contacted the programme saying, you know, the fact that the County Council are involved with the traffic plans for Castletown Bear and there seems to be a division in Castletown Bear about the plans and the way they're going. One group seem to be agreeing with it, another group of Castletown Bear are not happy uh, with it and there certainly is a divide within the business community and amongst uh, locals. That then led to some calls from Mallow saying be very careful of the council making decisions and people were poking fun at these very large flower parts that have been erected on the plaza at the lower end of Main Street in Mallow and the plaza itself that was put in place. In fairness you can't blame Cork County Council for that. That was the last act of the Town Council 
kind of a parting gift to the people of Mallow. This plaza was built and from the day it's been built, I don't know, have we ever had anybody on to say that that was one of the greatest decisions ever made for Mallow. It is just all negative because this plaza was put in at the lower end of the town of Mallow where there used to be two lanes of traffic so people would drive down and if you were going left you'd get into the left lane if you were going right or almost straight on you would get into the right lane but they built the plaza but in order to build the plaza they had to get rid of one lane of traffic so now you come down the main street and you're funnelled into one lane of traffic to go either left or right and it just becomes a bottleneck and on that plaza area was it overnight? These huge monstrous size flower pots have appeared and people are not that happy about it. Let me just give you a sample of some of the comments that we got on our Facebook. Our John Paul went off yesterday after the show camera in hand and he took some pictures of the flower pot and he put them up on Facebook. This is just a sample of some of the comments that we received. Catherine says the whole plaza was the biggest waste of money. Would be far more useful if there was two lanes of traffic rather than a plaza. Traffic in town is an absolute nightmare all of the time. I don't go near the place unless I really have to. Trish says Mallow Town has become such a disaster that plaza is a joke. Constant traffic jams uh, would turn anybody off going anywhere near the town. As for the pots they look ridiculous, says Trish. Julie says, I drove through, I drove down that end of town and I realised it was months since I had last driven down that end of town. I'm in Mallow on a weekly basis and I rarely drive down the main street at all now and even less will go past O'Brien Street. The plaza was one of the worst decisions made in regards to Mallow streetscaping. Too narrow, a bottleneck into one lane makes zero sense. Joanna says, I think they represent money. This is the flower pots. They represent money that could have been better spent on things the town could have benefited from towards a new theatre, perhaps, as a solution, or as a suggestion from Joanna. Nancy said, they are, these flower pots are no addition at all to the town and no doubt they'll be full of weeds by next week. That's if the Mallow Roundabout is anything to go by. Fran says, between pots on the plaza, potholes on the roads and virtual gridlock in the town, the death nail is ringing for Mallow. It's very sad, really. And a final one from Anthony. Who designs these things? Probably getting paid well for these stupid designs. Same thing in Cork City. Busy roads merging into single lanes, increasing commuter time in traffic jams. So we welcome your thoughts on the flower pots. As I say, we just touched on it uh, yesterday. But again, people not that happy and not that happy with what has been planted. Looking at the picture that John Paul put up on Facebook, I can see some nice ivy and there seems to be some grasses. Uh, in it, but it certainly isn't a big blast of colour. But maybe, we're, maybe we're we're being a bit mean there. It is a bit early in the season, even though there's nice spring colour out at the moment. Could there be? Would it be better? Would it be better if there was a bit of colour in it? Would people prefer? But they're huge. They're ginormous, huge, big flower pots. Take a lot of earth to put into those, and they're going to have to be well maintained as well. And can I just, seeing as I've mentioned Castletown Bear, can I just recap on just two comments that came in? too late yesterday for the close of the came in at the close of the programme yesterday I didn't get a chance uh, to bring it so I just want to bring 
just these two final thoughts from this because this has went to the body bother uh, bother of contacting us yesterday. Texter says, Patricia, Castletown Mayor is a great town with some great people, but unfortunately we have some very negative people, no different to any other town. The majority of Bearer people, ninety nine percent, agree that the town needs investment, has needed it and has needed it now for forty years. We're in the dark ages as town's infrastructure goes. It's not good enough to say we won't run over anyone in a wheelchair. Our footpaths are a disgrace and they are simply too narrow for all disabilities. We now have an amazing plan that has been passed by the powers that be. So let's all sit down together. No more excuses why we can't. Just do it and let's have one voice going forward for Castletown Bear and make it a better place for all to live, to visit and to do business in. Bear is beautiful. I'm the owner of the Skipper's Bar and Beacon Nightclub in the new square in Castletown Bear and I am fully behind this project. Of course, there are small is- issues, but please, let's just sit down and sort them out. And that was signed by Coleman O'Sullivan. Thank you for that, Coleman. And someone else who sent in a text, no name on this one. The people of Castletown Bear feel very hard done by, by Cork County Council, says this texter. The businesses and many residents in Castletown Bear never gave a mandate to the Castletown Bear Development Association to deal with the council on our behalf. The CDA has had many meetings with Cork County Council on behalf of the people of Castletown Bear. Thereby, we feel the whole process has been very underhand, which is why we don't want to sit down with the CDA. We feel the Cork County Council need to listen to the people of Castletown Bear. We are all for investment, but not to the detriment of our town. So we need to get all heads and everybody around the table there uh, to sort that one out, that's for sure. 1850 Also coming up on the programme this morning, worrying news if you are a learner driver and you are trying to access a date for your driving test. We have been talking and focusing on learner drivers for the last number of weeks and we know the penalties have increased if you are driving unaccompanied and for people who need to drive from A to B they need and who are learner drivers they need to get their full licence ASAP and the waiting times for driving tests in this air in this area seem to be some of the worst anywhere in the country. What can we do uh, about that? We'll also hear some good news for the village of Kildallery. Finally, 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 get there to get there a reservoir. This really, I'm really thrilled um, for the people in this village because what they have had to put up with for the last number of years. It's certainly five or more years that we've been talking about water problems in Kildallery. So hopefully that's, they're coming to the end of the problems that they have been uh, witnessing. Later on in the programme, we will welcome uh, lovely Demi Isaac uh, to the studio. Demi, unfortunately, had to, was forced to leave Dancing with the Stars last uh, Sunday, having danced what I felt was her best performance, certainly her highest score. And she's been she's been a wonderful example for young people on that show because she's been the youngest contestant ever to take part with Dancing in the Stars. And even across the water in the United Kingdom with Strictly Come Dancing, that the 
the show was based on that. I don't think they've ever had a contestant as young as Demi was, uh, only 18. So she joined us in the studio to share with us her Dancing with the Stars uh, experience. And it is Wednesday, so Peter Dowdle will answer all of your gardening questions. If you have a gardening question, get it in throughout the morning. Here's just a little bit of a fun piece. Uh, the newsroom uh, put this together. They went around and just asked people if they won the Euro Millions, what would they do with the money and how would they react to it? Party, party, party and everyone's invited. Go travelling, lots and lots of travelling, help out a lot of charities and help out friends and family. I would go to Ibiza and I would have a big party with loads of champagne and bring all my friends. I'd pay all my bills and then buy a private island in the Caribbean. I'd buy a big block of land and I would build a homeless shelter for animals on one side and a homeless shelter for people... Um, that don't have any homes on the other side I would hire loads of people to look after all of the homeless people and all of the homeless animals I'd plan the trip of a lifetime to start off with and then probably meet with a financial advisor I'd bring all my family and close friends into a solicitor's office and they'd all get the exact same amount so there'd be no fighting or arguing devote the rest of my life to having fun I would travel the world and then I would buy a lovely house on a cliff in West Cork overlooking the beautiful sea and I'd stay there happy out Oh, that sounds nice. A uh, house on, on the cliff overlooking the sea. Amazing everybody going travelling. Good to know people have been generous as well. Everybody's going to spread the love. OK, um, just somebody else by text says, this made me laugh, the, the lotto winner could give Cork County Council money to put flowers into those new Yorks flower pots instead of the ivy and the grass that is currently there and Dave says hi Patricia I wonder was planning permission applied for those horrible puke bowls oh, near the plaza in Mallow We've, we have sent an email to Cork County Council just to find out the background and the thinking behind it and it's been the first department John Paul sent it on to said oh no we can't deal with that and they've sent it on to another department and we are awaiting a response I know by the time I came on air at 10 o'clock this morning we didn't have a response but we are awaiting a response Mary in North Cork says the plaza that was planned in Mallow is nothing like that was planned is nothing like that was originally planned is that it so tell those in Castletown Bear be very very careful regarding any plans that they see in Mallow we now have three entrances onto the main street and only one way down at the end into that bottleneck of just one lane of uh, traffic. Uh, Yesterday morning I was in Mallow and it took me nearly an hour to get out of uh, Mallow because of that junction at the plaza. As for the pots, I give up on that. They don't even fit in. It's more stone, more stone work would fit in, but the stonework isn't matching. The pots definitely don't work. The Mary said she saw some engineers and on the plaza and then a few weeks later the pots arrived so there must have been a lot of planning went on in order to for the design of those pots and uh, the reason for it and I just want to know the future landscaping of them as well I would be interested with that Tom and Rathgormick says when the traffic was flowing both ways on the main street in Mallow everything was fine but once they changed the traffic load that's when the town got affected yeah because once upon a time main street in Mallow was two way traffic then they made it one way but at least when it was one way before the plaza was in place there was two lanes at the bottom of the town. It's it's removing one lane of traffic 
that is causing the gridlock. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. We're going to take a break and we are back discussing waiting times for driving tests at the Cork Test Centres. Laura Gelga, RC103. Anne Frank, Bacallian Og, Judahi, Anne Frank, a four Boston Holocaust. Rogok Anne Frank, Erin Darla, Degden, Vib Mehiv, Nedeg, Fehane, a Frankfurt Sigarmon. Akvoga Tailokidi, Olnok, Devorganora, Hula Viega Aher. Lilin and Darkoga Downda, Jurok Lenin Winter, Dolly Vlock on the Stapo. Norvishi de Vlock, Madshi Dilan, Lenatahi, Ogslenis Munti. Scrivshi and Quidismo Doyilan, Ivermlichka, the Gwinadarvanum Kitty. Scrivage for Dilan Freshen, Aknir Honig Shid Reaver. Rodamana Scrivshi, in a Dilan, no, when I write, I can shake off all my cares, but will I ever write something great? Vishi de Vlock, if I go Duration Koga, Honig Aher and Air on Dilan, August Viuna Air, Nur Konik Shay, Keiko Abi Savishi, Tereshe Lave, Dalchik Shay, while Sheikh Gay Fuin Diary of a Young Girl. Salaton Nuan, Todilan and Franker, Kendus and Cafe Shis Kalula on Holocaust. The Bluer Guelga, Guel Klosha Davish, Davis College, Ismisha Abi Bernach. CKD Asa 3 Kirkig. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now, we've been discussing the plight of learner drivers on the programme and in particular the problems many are having trying to access a driving test to get them off their L plates and onto their N plates, which then obviously will allow them to drive unaccompanied. Taking a look at the delays for the local test centres in Cork is uh, Cork North West uh, Dáil Deputy Andreas Moynihan, who joins me. Good morning to you, Andreas. Hi there, Patricia. Good morning. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. Now, you've, you come, unfortunately, bearing bad news. What, what are the waiting times for the three Cork driving centres and the one across the border in Killarney that a number of our listeners would, would go to for a driving test as well? What are you hearing? Yeah, I, I know from, from talking to different people uh, that the, the waiting times have been very long and that it's been very frustrating for people. And I've been following it up with the RSA and with the minister. And when you put figures on it, it's it's still shocking. Like, for for example, in Cork, there's 6,500 6, people waiting for a test. In Killarney, uh, 1,200. Mallow, 1,900. And Skibbereen, uh, just short of a thousand and th- these are all people who have done their test or who have done the lessons and are you know ready for the test and keen to get going driving and being held back waiting for the test and when you look at that size of a crowd if you imagine uh, from the test centre in Cork if they all showed up and they queued for a test that queue would extend from the test centre in Cork all the way out the N22 out past Lissard and McCroom and out as far as as uh, east or west of Macroom. Um If they showed up in Killarney, the row of traffic would go all the way up through the town, out by the Lissavigeen roundabout, and out to the railway gates. And anyone who would have been going to Munster Finals would know that that size of a tailback is what you would be expecting for Munster Final Day. And that's the size of a crowd that would be waiting for, for uh, and ha- for what's the average waiting time? Week, you know, how many weeks are people waiting? Being asked to wait in in the different centres, it's a moving target uh, constantly. So that in Cork, there are people, some people waiting eighteen weeks, whereas the average is fourteen weeks. Um, in Mallow, there are people who are waiting twenty four weeks, uh, while the average is fourteen weeks. Uh, so there are some people waiting longer than others because if you imagine some people are able to do a very short notice test 
uh, and are able to go on a, a fast turnaround. And we've been able to work with a number of people on that uh, who've had to get uh, a test for, for work or for for uh, for college or so on, and that they had the flexibility for to be able to uh, come in on short notice. But that's not an option for many people. And, uh, and as well, I always think, I always think that they, because it's a nerve-wracking experience. I mean, all of us remember doing our driving tests and it's one of those things I'd never want to do it again. I thankfully passed first time round, but it was probably the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever had to do. So I always think it's unfair when, and I know how desperate people are to get their licence, but when they spring a test on people, people like to be prepared. Uh, you know, so I, I, do, I do think people need need a good lead-in to let people know when, when they will be doing the test. Yeah, the short notice is not, not, it's not ideal. The, the option it's not, it's not ideal. ideal option. Okay. Really, let, you want to be able to, to have a chance, like you're saying, to, to prepare for it. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way, on your own, getting it on first time. <laughs> that, that's, that's a big deal because an awful lot of people don't. And, you know, uh, that puts further pressure on the, on the queue. On the well. system. Yeah. Is the simple solution more testers, Andreas? Uh, the additional testers is a big part of the solution because if you stop and look at it, there are in those centres that I outlined to you, Cork, Killarney, Mallow and Skibbereen, there are only 13 testers based there full time for to deal with a queue of about 11,000 people. So it's, it's clear that they're under pressure uh, and that they're not able to, they're struggling to get through those numbers. The Minister has has recognised the issue and he's acknowledged that yes, there should be extra uh, testers brought on and we're keeping the pressure on to him for that to make sure that he brings them on as quickly as possible. Like they, they're, they would have taken on, they're talking about 50, uh, 52 extra coming on uh, and bringing it only to 150 for the whole country. Uh, I, I don't know that that's enough because there's there's pressure all over the country and we have only... 13 based in those centres full time uh, we're going to need a good chunk of those extra testers as well when they come on street. and they're going and to have to be spread out around the country we're not are, going to get them on. is it true yeah. there's only one tester in Mallow there's one tester based full time in Mallow one in Skibbereen four in Killarney and seven in Cork and then they supplement it uh, by moving people around but one person based full time in Mallow for a crowd of 1986 if they showed up for a test there would be a queue halfways out to Bantier out, the, out past the race course and way out the road the, the And is it, just Monday to, is it just Monday to Friday that they test? Uh, yeah, I think there's a real option for to go off into the weekends and A little bit like what they've done with up. the NCT Yeah yeah, yeah I, I think there's a real option there. And when you have the, the additional testers, do a bit of overtime on it and give people the opportunity so that they don't have to be taking time off work or time off college and taking, taking in the, those extra uh, days for to, for to increase the, the capacity of the, the test centres. And there's a real opportunity there. So the extra testers, but also to make more use of the weekends. And in that way, Give people who have done their lessons and who are good drivers, give them the opportunity to get off that waiting time and have the license and stop that question mark hanging over them. Because at the moment, you have a huge cohort of young drivers who are good drivers, but they're being viewed the very same as somebody who sat into the car for the very first day. I think that's very unfair. 
that they should be given the chance, having done their lesson, having done their practice and everything, that they should at very least be given the chance to have a test and to get on with getting a licence. I, I, I'm sure I heard the figure uh, or I read the figure during the week. Is it 14% of no-shows? We have to try and get a handle on that as well. People applying for the test and then for whatever reason, I can appreciate that people can be sick on the day, but 14% seems very high. That's right. There, there are a number of, of no-shows and that's one of, one of the challenges for, for um, RSA. Um, because of that level of no-shows, uh, we've been able to work with RSA for to, to try and get people who are under pressure uh, and are able to do it on short notice for to get in on those. Um, but look, people may not be able to to turn up for whatever reason. Um, you know, you have to, to you have to allow for a certain amount of that, and that's always been there. So it's not like it's not like that's suddenly become a problem. The, the system would have been should have been able to cater for that anyway. Okay, and the road safety are aiming for a wait time of of ten weeks. And I mean, I think people would feel ten weeks is okay if you knew you were applying for your test today and you knew you were guaranteed your test in ten weeks. I think people would be happy enough for that. Do you believe that can be achieved? Well, I highlighted the issue again in the doll yesterday, and in response, the Taoiseach was talking about a target of twelve weeks. Ah. Whereas the RSA were talking about a target of ten weeks, so there's there's definitely some mismatch there. Um, I think they they need to they need to be talking to one another and to make sure they're aiming for the same target. Really, what I feel is that people should shouldn't have to be waiting any unreasonable length of time. If it's possible, for example, to get a test in five and a half weeks in Carrick and Shannon and Waterford, why not across the rest of the country? Uh, they're obviously doing something right there and it's possible to do it uh, in Carrick and Shannon and Watford. You know, maybe we can't achieve quite that, but why not, why get, not aim get for close, that? Get you know, closer to it. it and Andreas, since the Clancy Amendment, is there now a much greater urgency to sit and pass the test? Uh, there's, I, I think it's brought a, a lot of extra focus on it. Uh, you've seen there where uh, recent figures we've got that over 300 cars have been seized uh, where people didn't have a fully licensed uh, driver with them. And that that additional pressure is on the younger driver. But I think it's very unfair where people who have their lessons done and who have the experience that, you know, they're being treated the very same as somebody who sat in for the into the car for the very first day, and yeah, it is it is a, a big part of it. All right, yeah, and I think mm. it's, it's it's very hard on it. All right, and it's also, and I've been predicting this since the amendment was passed before December. It's going to make the waiting list lists even longer because more and more people because of that sense of urgency, are going to now apply for their tests. People who may have waited a little while are now going to suddenly start applying because they desperately need to get their full yeah. licence. And by the way, Andreas, if you fail your test, are you back, are you put at the bottom of the list then? Back, and you're to, back oh to square my one. God. Back to square oh one. Oh my God. Oh, I'm, you know, okay. That, oh, that's all destroying. Okay. All right. We'll leave it there, Andreas. Thank you for that.
All right. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is Cork Northwest uh, Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy Andreas Moynihan. Uh, Liam in Limerick says, is there any driving tests for nighttime driving? No, there isn't. All of the tests are done during daytime. Uh, Liam reckons there should nighttime driving like for dimming of lights and driving in nighttime conditions. It's very different to driving during the day. Liam said, I feel the driving test should be done before young people leave school and do it during their school years so by the time that they leave school they've actually had at least one attempt at a driving licence. At last some good news for the people of Kildare in North Cork who have lived and worked with persistent problems with broken water mains and low water pressure for more than five years and it's due to uh, an ageing reservoir. Joining me with the latest uh, Councillor Frank O'Flynn. Good morning to you Frank. Good morning Patricia Good morning listeners. You're very welcome to the programme I believe the village is to finally get its new reservoir. Have you a timeline for us? I have and I think there's good news for Kildallery. We've suffered for quite a number of years and I suppose over the past number of years uh, the Kildallery Kildallery Waterway has seen huge improvements to the existing scheme where we laid 2.2 kilometres of new mains from Scott Cross to Kildallery Village also from Scott Cross to Meadstone Cross and also in the village of Rock Mills and Patricia listeners that greatly reduced the, the supply interruptions which we were uh, having over, the, especially over the, the warm summers. Have all of those pipes now been replaced? All those pipes all done. which are necessary. Okay. It's Scat Cross to Gildallery Village, Meadstone Cross to Scat Cross and also in the village of Rock Mill. Because they were just they, they were, you would no sooner have one pipe fixed, a leak fixed and... It, well there was a local neighbour there and he said Frank he was marking down the number of breaks and he said we were putting sticking plaster on sticking plaster. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's done and out of the way. And then the other problem was this antiquated reservoir. Well, the, the, the old reservoir, and the most important thing is North, Kildallery is a growing village. It's on the main route uh, from uh, from Mitchell's down, down, uh, down to Killarney and also the connect, connectivity with the Dublin Road. And it's a growing village and, uh, and uh, quite a lot of activity there. And to meet the present and future needs, both in the housing and uh, businesses and farming, and to provide a quality water supply, Planning permission was sought to put in a new ground level tank on the existing site with a boosting system. Okay. Now, uh, planning permission has been got. The site invest- investigation on that has been completed because you know we had a bad problem and we now seem to have overcome that. Okay. And also, uh, the, de- the detailed design has been uh, uh, prepared and completed also. And it's now going out to tender. And it's expected that uh, construction will commence. September, October this year. Brilliant, brilliant. But the money is there, the, the funding, everything's in place. Well, the funny thing about Kildallia was the funding was always in place for Great. Kildallia and that was one thing that I saw it and other councillors uh, that we ring-fenced it and we kept it for Kildallia. So the good news is that we are told now that it's uh, been commissioned early 2020 and it should be up and running by 2020, mid-20, say May, June 2020. And the most important thing is here that we're going to provide a good, uh, top-quality water supply to meet the present and future development needs of Kildallery. And that will be the end of it. That will well, be the we, end of problems. Well, for we hope and we're hoping that Kildallery will flourish in relation to housing, in relation to business, in relation to farming and it is something that people at Kildallery are entitled to. We fought long and hard for this and it is welcome news and the most important thing Patricia and listeners is I'm going to see this through because we have to keep your eye on the ball. 
One thing is getting something on paper and telling you going to do it. But the other thing is, I think, as a local councillor, to ensure that, that we keep because the deadlines they give us. Frank, it's a thriving little village, isn't it? Whenever I pass through it, it's, all, it's always got that buzzy feel about it. It's uh, always busy. It's a beautiful village, going very, very well. They have a very, very strong local community there, a spirit. Exceptionally a strong, tidy town there. Yeah. And, and uh, that's evident when you drive through. Oh, and of course, they're a good sporting village, um, the GA. The, which is the bedrock of any community is exceptionally strong. The blue and white of Kildallery is always very, very strong and they're a very uh, hard-working, strong farming community, strong business and uh, it's a beautiful area. Quite a lot of people now, a lot of houses built on the past couple of years and I think this was uh, will further enhance uh, the practices of Kildallery for people to come in and live there and make a living. But the most important thing is for the businesses are there with bars there, they had parties often booked 21st and others and they had to cancel them at a moment's notice and this day and age we are now paying for water especially the businesses they are paying for water in and water out yeah. they are entitled to a good quality yeah water. it was crazy I mean we were hearing of businesses having to bring water in in, in milk churns it was just cra- crazy absolutely crazy actually just staying on water problems what was, what's, what's, go- what's going on with the water in, in Bwing in, uh, poor, uh, women who've dyed their hair blonde going green well, uh, Timmy Collins uh, uh, raised that, that, that issue and uh, there will be a major problem there and we are told that they're going to look into it and that there's a report to come back in it and that'll go on, I believe, also for an, uh, a number of years. So that, it's a big issue in Breen, but I think I'll leave that to the local councils in Breen to okay. start out. It's a big issue for the women whose blonde hair is going green, I can tell you that. And the funny thing about Breen, Patricia, is I, at one stage when I was, I was, I was fairly good at the running in the cross country, I won 100 jobs. Uh, dash uh, competition one time sprint in wing sports. Did you? <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> did you still have the medal? I still have the medal. Well done, well done. <laughs> okay, I just one very final one that's making the papers today with Sean O'Reardon's writing about it. They, they're trying to find out, and I know we've discussed this on the programme before, yeah. who's responsible for the d- discharging more effluence than is permitted into the Mitchellstown storage scheme. That still hasn't been sorted. Well, what, um, what we are told to do, and I was talking to the, the management since in relation to Mitchellstown, they are carrying out in, uh, checks on the, the businesses and, and other, other, other industries. They leave, um, in, they use the system in, in every town and every village, and they are carrying out checks. And uh, I, don't, I don't think this is as big a problem as they feel, for, but the most important thing about the sewage system in Mitchellstown is this, and we come up with this problem when we're looking for planning for houses, whether yeah. individual or group. And I've said, that there's a great need for um, extra houses in Mitchellstown. And I've seen planning reports where they're always referring to the adequacy of the treatment plant in Mitchellstown is not able to meet the extra load. That's that, the problem. That's the deal. So what, what we're doing in Mitchellstown at the moment is, and I've called on numerous, numerous occasions, is for an extension of the existing plant to meet the present and future needs of both the housing and industry. So uh, site investigation works are done. Uh, detailed, is that detailed design? And then they're going to go out to procurement and then put it out to tender. But the thing I'm, I'm saying here is this. We are told that um, the extension to the plant will not be completed until the end of 2021. So I'm asking them to go back and look at it again. If they have the detailed investment, uh, site investigation done, they have the detailed design, they're going to go, why is it taking so Speed long? Up. Between Speed. now, this is the, the start of 2019, we're talking about two more years, and often these uh, overrun the, the amount of time, it's hard to get a contractor in, time to the work. In, in relation to the weather. So I think um, for the future economic development of Mitchellstown in relation to housing and in relation to industrial development and to encourage investment into town, because I see at the moment every single report on planning in Mitchellstown, there's a reference made, even as a one-off house, in relation to the, that the present solar system is it able to meet 
the needs of Dexter. So I'm calling for immediate... I'm delighted that the work they've done today, but the most important thing is, I think, can we wait and can we put Mitchertown on hold until the end of 2021? So I'm asking to go back again to the drawing board, put the funding in place and put this new extension to the plant, which is much needed for the future development of Mitchertown. It's stifling development. OK, we'll leave it there. We'll let you go in case you might need to go out training for your next run. Thanks I, for joining us. <laughs> You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, before we go to a lot of your calls and texts uh, coming in, I want to go to the phone lines because, as you may have heard there on our news at 11 o'clock, a breaking story of a woman who has been found critically ill. She was found in a stream in Rylan. Anne Murphy, uh, who is um, a reporter with The Echo, is over this story and uh, Anne joins me. Good morning, Jan. Good morning, Patricia. Okay, what's, uh, what is now believed to have happened or what's known about this woman? Well, it's very early um, in the investigation at the moment as to what happened to this woman. Basically, at 7 o'clock this morning, um, a man who was driving in the area saw a hand open the road, and when he stopped it, and again at her bridge, it's known locally as the Ivy Bridge, on the road from Ryland to McCroom, he found a woman lying there in the, uh, in the small stream, and she was dressed in very dark clothing. Um, he raised the alarm um, as the woman was very ill as he could see and the ambulance uh, service responded to the call and took the lady to uh, COH where she's being assessed at the moment um, but Gardy told me that she is very very ill at the moment and critical is at her state at the moment. Um, now Gardy you're saying that it's impossible at this stage to say what happened to the lady, why has she um, been found so critically ill so they're trying to establish if she got sick or failed perhaps or maybe um, may have been the hit, uh, victim of a hit and run or something along those lines but at the moment they're expressing that it's, they're looking at all options it's, it's too early, early has, the, has the woman been identified? Um, not in the last half an hour she hadn't been identified um, that was the priority for Gardy and they believe that the woman must be local because it's in a, in a rural area um, there wasn't a car you know she didn't have a car in the area and they believe that she was walking they are trying to establish if she had spent the night in the stream or had she gone for a walk in the early hours of this morning and, and had been there for a relatively short time um, but at the moment they are working hard to establish her identity and believe that she must be a local woman from the Ryland area possibly um, she is believed to be in her 60s and okay. at the moment, that's as far as the, the Gardaí are, are, are in, in the knowledge of. So obviously, anyone uh, with any information to contact the Gardaí? Yes, Gardaí are keen to speak to anybody who would know that somebody hasn't been home or yeah. um, or if somebody passed the road this morning at any time and saw a woman walking in the area um, wearing dark clothes um, to see if the, the, anybody has seen her to come forward. To but it was, it was 7am when the motorist... Yes. Found her. Okay. So it would have been before, sometime before 7am. So yes. it could have been something that somebody spotted last night, yesterday yes. evening as well. Okay. So just been. remind listeners again of where it is um, for, for people for living the locally. It's known locally as the Ivy Bridge. It's the, the proper name for it is Anaganaha Bridge. It's on the road between Rylane and McCroom. Um, the, the roadway carries people also to Mill Street. So it would be a well-known rural area. The, the area itself would be very well-known. Well-known to local people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and um, thanks for that, Anne. And if anything else breaks on that, you might get back to us while we're on air between now and one. But in the meantime, thank you for joining us. 
Thank you, Patricia. Thanks a million. That is uh, Anne Murphy, who is a reporter with the Echo. And if anyone has any information as to who that woman uh, could be, and hopefully, hopefully she'll be okay, even though the Gardaí are saying she is in a critical condition. So keep that lady. I will keep her in our thoughts and uh, prayers. 1850-333-103 on driving tests and learner drivers that we were discussing and addressing in the last hour, particularly with regard to waiting time for your driving test. Noel says the RSA and the Minister should have had the testing time sorted out before changing the laws. Is it not the horse before the cart? Uh, Again, says Noel, referencing when the Clancy Amendment came in. But see, I'm wondering, is it because of the Clancy Amendment that many more and more people are now applying for their test sooner than they would have before? And remember, the laws around learner drivers didn't change with the Clancy Amendment. It was the penalties that changed. But I'm just wondering, because of those penalties and because we're hearing since the amendment came in, about eight cars a day are being impounded by the Gardaí because they're stopping learner drivers who don't have an accompanied qualified driver with them and the cars are being impounded. So I'm wondering, people who had been taking the risk, you were breaking the law by taking the risk, but we know that people did take the risk. I'm wondering now, are people deciding, well, I need to get my test sooner rather than later? And are we now going to see, if anything, the waiting list that we were talking about with Deputy Andreas Moynihan locally, are they going to get worse as more and more people rush to take uh, their test. And someone else says the no shows, this is the 14% of people who apply for a driving tests and then simply don't show up. The no shows are a goner, says this text, with the new licence requirements apply, applying for a test just to qualify for your next provisional licence, which people had been doing. That's not going to happen as was happening before and there had definitely been evidence that that's what people are doing. People were continuing to drive around on provisionals. They didn't care, but now that they've, they're really starting to clamp down on the learner drivers without a qualified driver. You, yeah, I think that texter is right. I think you make a very valid point. The no-shows, we'll, we'll see an end of the no-shows, no which in a way is good. In a way, it's good because it means, because it is frustrating for people who are on the waiting list, even though by having the people that don't show up, I don't know, do they, are they able to give those tests out to people? But they're probably not because if it's a no-show, it's a no-show that people don't show up for 10 o'clock tests so they can't exactly give it out to anybody else. So the knock-on for that, if the no-shows stop, they'll be getting through more tests, which uh, certainly will be a good thing. On Mallow and the Plaza and the tailbacks and all of that, Stephen says, Trish, I just got the tail end of the mallow thing you were talking about with the new planter pots that have gone up, gone up in the plaza at the lower end of Mallow Town. People who waste public money like that should be jailed, says uh, Stephen. Well, sees, yeah. I suppose beauty's in the eye of the beholder. People just don't like the look of these pots, but it's not to say that they're, are they a waste of money? I suppose some might say they are. Anyway, Stephen says, I see the very same antics in Killarney. As with Mallow, the traffic lights are no help either if they're not synchronised. I'll give you an example, says Stephen. If you're coming in from the Fomoy side, you meet the first set of traffic lights. That's fine. But it's no advantage if they're on green and the ones further up at the junction for Killarney are on red. All the traffic just simply backs up. It's absolutely pointless. The traffic seemed to flow fine before they went 
missing with it. And as always, no one can be held accountable. And that's Stephen from uh, County uh, Kerry. John says, hi Patricia, the roads around Gertrude are full of potholes. What are we paying our road tax for? The council seems to be letting us down big time and that comes in from uh, John. And on driving tests, Heidi says, morning Patricia, children in Canada at the age of 15 get 30 hours of driving lessons while still in school and they have the 30 hours of driving done before they leave school. So it's, they do it when they're fifth. So they would do it, I suppose, from just after their junior cert if you were equating it to 15-year-olds in Ireland. It's usually junior cert year. So they do it either for their final three years in school. What a jolly good idea. And that's what somebody had suggested earlier, that all of our children should be leaving school with a driving licence in their hand or at least a provisional licence in their hand where they've had some driving experience. How much that would cost, though, is a problem. OK, we have a cooking uh, issue in that a listener is looking for advice on. And normally we get, the last time we did something like this, we got huge amount of uh, reaction uh, to it. People are usually great to give advice. We've got some really good bakers and cooks listening to the programme. This is to do with the cooking of a beef stew. Morning Patricia. I'm making beef stew and I've been making it all my life to the same recipe, no problem whatsoever. I always add a packet of oxtail soup to the stew at the end. Let it simmer and it makes it nice and thick and it forms a beautiful soup around the stew. Of late... All goes well, but when I turn off the pot, the stew thins out again and it ends up like water, as if I haven't added the packet of oxtail soup at all. There also then seems to be a little fat floating on the water. I was wondering, Patricia, has anybody else experienced this and what could be causing it? I'm worried. Is it the stewing beef? Even though when I was thinking it was, I bought it in a variety of different butchers just to test it out. Could there be some kind of a chemical involved? Could you put it out there and see what your other listeners uh, think? And the actual, the way you make your stew is exactly the same way that I remember my late mother used to make her, the, the beef stew and it was always finished off with a packet of oxtail soup. And you're right, the oxtail soup makes it gorgeous and thick and there's something wholesome and warm about a bowl of stew like that and the soup making it lovely and uh, thick. And yeah, my memory, when, when certainly when I was making stew that way, it always thickened it up. Why would it suddenly not... Why would it stop thickening? Now, is it the beef... Or is it, has the, I wonder if, have the ingredients in the soup changed in any way? Even though it seems a bit, it seems a bit strange that when this listener is making it and it's simmering away, all goes nice and thick. But as soon as she turns it off, then it's just when the heat stops, it starts to almost separate and goes back into water as if the soup has never been added. Does anybody, any suggestions, any advice, any good cooks out there can tell us? And could it be something to do with the oxtail soup? But I'm assuming that our listener hasn't changed the brand of oxtail soup. It's the same oxtail soup that she's always been using. Something has gone wrong. She's thinking it could be the beef, but she's done the right thing in going to different butchers, source the meat somewhere else to see could it have just been the particular type of meat that she bought the first week that it happened. But she's been around to different butchers and it's happening every every time. And then the, instead of the soup, the oxtail soup, thicking it all up and it all being this nice thick soup 
being in your stew. Instead, she has, it's gone watery and what appears to be almost like a little bit of fat floating on the top instead. Any advice? 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. The phone lines have been busy, by the way. As we all say to people, I know you people get frustrated. People can get frustrated when they're waiting uh, for the John Paul to answer the calls. So as I'm always saying to people, feel free to text or WhatsApp us and we'll try and get back to you when the phones are a little bit quieter. Uh, 0862-103-103. Van Val is in Aragon. Morning to you, Val. Good morning. How are you? Uh, yeah, answer for the, the lady with the stew when it's not thickening. Yes, I tell you now. Is we put the stew, just the meat into a bowl, okay? Yeah. And then put a bit of cornflour through the stew. Yeah. And bond it together. Yeah. And then put in an onion. Right. And mix it all together. Put it into your saucepan and put a small cup of water. Not too much water now. Okay. And then when when that's cooked, then put in your... No, before it's cooked, put in your carrot. Cut up a carrot and put it in. Yeah. And then get a packet of the country stew. You'll get them in the Super Value market. And mix it through and you'll have a gorgeous stew. <laughs> okay. And does the country stew mix that you add at the end, yeah, does that make it, does that make it nice and thick or is it the cornflour? Yeah, yeah, it does. No, it. The cornflour thickens as well to the kind of consistency, like, you know. Yeah, but but with this listener, she's been making it the same way all along and just all of a sudden, the soup has stopped thickening it. No, the soup is wrong. Don't put in soup. I, I did that one day now it wasn't great. I put in the country stew, you can't go wrong. Okay, but you need, she needs to put corn flour in as well, is what you're saying. Yeah, put it into the meat before you actually put it into the sauce. Mix it all up and put it into your saucepan and put a small sip of water, not too much, and off you go for the rest. Okay, and there's nothing like a big bowl of stew, is there? Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's, it's fantastic. Gorgeous. All right, Val, thank you for that. No bother. Thank you for the cooking lesson. Oh, uh, have a good day. <laughs> have a good you day. Bye bye, Val in Aragon. 1850 333 Lines open. C103 Jobs. Now, Bantry Credit Union, they are looking to create a panel of candidates. It's for a temporary teller vacancy. Coach driver is required with a D licence. That's for a school run in the Bandon area. And Pets Plus, they're looking for a qualified dog groomer for their soon-to-open pet store. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. One incredibly lucky player in Ireland has become the highest ever winner of a national lottery game after winning what can only be described as a mind-blowing 175 million euro on last night's Euro Million jackpot. Joining me from the National Lottery is Miriam Donoghue. Good morning to you, Miriam. Good morning to you. Are you have you any idea at this stage where the ticket has been sold? Is it still a mystery? No, it, 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 it's, it's not a mystery. Uh, we are aware and we are hoping to announce uh, the store that sold the winning ticket in the next half an hour. We just have some procedures to go through in the next little while before we can do so. But I can reveal that we have had contact from the winner. Ah. Uh, we had a phone call in the last um, couple of hours, um, about 10 o'clock this morning, uh, from the ticket holder. Um, they are absolutely delighted and we are going to guide them through the prize claims process in the next few days. So we have had contact from a winner and we were hoping to announce the winning shop shortly. Oh, what is it like for for somebody to pick up the phone and take that call 
Uh, look, it's incredible. I didn't take the call myself. One of our claims team did, and obviously they're trained and they're experienced and expert, and they, they take calls from you know our games winners every day of the week. Obviously, not often. One hundred and seventy-five million euros, <laughs> uh, but um, but listen, it's it, it's it's probably one of the best jobs in the country to be uh, in a position to be taking those phone calls. Um, and this is the high. I mean, the, the last highest uh, national lottery draw-based game win is. Um, was 115 million euros, which was Dolores uh, McNamara, yeah. yeah, back in 2005. So this has really eclipsed that, and I can tell you, there's a massive buzz here in the national <laughs> shop today in headquarters. Everyone is smiling and buzzing, and absolutely delighted uh, that I think that somebody out there, um, you know, has come into this literally a small fortune. It's wonderful. And Miriam, when the draw actually takes place, how soon after the draw do you get the word that it's somebody in Ireland and there was just one ticket? Uh, we get the word within minutes. Is it? Um, oh, okay. Within minutes, we would know here in Ottawa. So we knew very quickly last night that we had an Irish winner. Um, and we uh, routinely then, we would send out, obviously, a media release, um, you know, within an hour of the draw, um, just saying there's been a winner otherwise. Yeah, and then do you know at this stage or do you ever find out, is it just a quick pick ticket? Would you know how much you've been invested on the ticket? Yeah, we normally we, we never give um, details as to how much is invested on the ticket. Um, okay. And we will be, uh, later on we'll be saying, when we announce the name of the shop, we'll be saying whether it was a, a, a regular play or a quick pick ticket. Okay, and the, the person who's contacted you, I mean, obviously that will remain anonymous. Do you know if it is a family? Is it a syndicate? Is it a work group? Yeah, we. Um, it's 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 something we will be discussing with the ticket holder when uh, they uh, come into the office in the next couple of days. So we're not in a position yet. To say. Or to reveal that information. Okay, all right. And then yeah. on that whole thing, we've mentioned uh, Dolores McNamara. I mean, uh, Dolores' name gets mentioned every time there's a big win like this. Uh, she really is the one who is synonymous because she went public on the big win. Now, I know there was the win, the Stakelham hardware store in Thirlis, but they, by the time it got divvied up, got a smaller amount of money. And the, yeah. all the other winners have decided to remain uh, anonymous. How do you advise people around that, uh, Miriam? Yeah, well, look, first of all, we respect people's wishes. If people don't want to go public, we absolutely respect that and support them any way we can. We always go through uh, the pros and the cons. Um, look, if with such a win as, as this, um, it is go- it's a massive media story. Uh, it's huge. And, you know, the media will do their best to hunt down um, the winners and uh, to reveal them. Um if you decide to go public, um, you know, it can be managed. It was done very well in Belfast in January when a, a couple from Belfast won 130 million plus in the, Euro, the last Euro Millions big uh, jackpot. And they had a press conference. All the media were invited. They had their say and that was done with then and they've been left alone since. So, you know, with a big win, if you do go public, it's a one-day wonder. Uh, the media gets a story and they move on. If you don't yeah. go public... You know, the media will be hunting you down. They will be making inquiries, and you could be identified, and you won't be in control of that messaging. At that that's stage. a good point. But that's that. Yeah, that's a very good point. And is it an urban myth that you get more money if you go no, public? Uh, totally. Yeah. You do not get more money for going public. I can smash that myth um, yeah. on the head, um, and I can also smash another myth. I've had some calls this morning. Uh, the 175 million euros is not taxed, so it's 
the full amount into your pocket. Oh, it's taxed in the it's taxed in the states, isn't it? It's they but they have different <laughs> rules and regulations around their lotteries. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's taxed in the states. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. so have you've spoken and you just they pick the day that they come up to talk to you because I take it are there's media probably outside the door in the hope of trying to get yeah. a snap of somebody going in. Um, well. There are media around, basically uh, talking to some of the uh, of staff here, just trying to get an update. But listen, I think the Irish media are pretty respectful, yeah, and we uh, don't we don't expect anyone to be lurking behind uh, pillars or <laughs> lampposts or whatever. Okay, listen, enjoy it as well, because as you say, there's a great old buzz at the office, which is uh, which is terrific, and uh, we yeah. look forward to further details coming from the office later on. Thanks it's for that, Miriam. Take care. Uh, bye bye that is uh, Miriam O'Donoghue joining me on what is a very busy day for the National Lottery now I know has that disappeared I mean I know that's gone okay Um, okay there has been uh, rumours floating around as to where the winning ticket was uh, sold but they they now have the winner the winner has been identified or has made contact so we will wait to see so it doesn't look like at this stage that it was a winner here in Cork we were all hoping that it would be a, a Cork winner 1853 333103. Can I just go back to our stews and the thickening of the stew? Oh, sorry. Thank you, John Paul. He's just come in. Our LMFM, this is our sister station in Louth and Meath. They are saying that the it's a family syndicate with connections in the Dulic Bellistown area of County Meath. Okay, but a family syndicate. Whoa. Okay, because that's the other thing is was, was it a work syndicate where it was split with a number of people? It looks like no, a family syndicate. Okay, back to the stew and the thickening of the stew. 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 Patrick in Castletown Roach. The reason for this is that the packet soup that the lady is using does not contain flour, just corn flour. If it has flour in it, it will thicken. And that was exactly my thought when I read that initial text because we're assuming she's using the same packet of soup, have the ingredients changed in the soup. And somebody has sent in a text saying that oxtail soup has changed with the words new improved written on the package. This is from Jenny in Formoy, who, by the way, says it's horrible tasting since they... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves... Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination.
yahoofinance.com. Have changed the, uh, the new and improved. Okay, so the fact that it's new and improved, we take it from that, that the ingredients have changed and maybe that has... Patrick in Castletown Roach has nailed it. They've changed from corn flour, from flour to corn flour, corn flour to flour. And that's the reason that it's not uh, thickening. So if our listener wants to check on the back, on the ingredients of the pack. And Mary in Charleville says she's not a, a chef, but she's a good enough little cook. And when she makes her stews, she lets the pot on the heat without the cover on. And she said, once cooked, leave it on the heat. Just turn it down a little bit, but leave it on the heat until you're serving by turning it off. That's what's happening. And that's why it is almost separating when you stop the heat. And yeah, I can I can take that as a really good suggestion, Mary and Jarlva. But the problem was our initial listener said she's always made soup this way. She's always switched it off. She's never had a problem before. And it's only of late. But I think I think we're getting to the bottom of it. It's the ingredients has changed in the packet of oxtail soup. Maybe as Val was saying, change the soup, change to a different soup that that might help as well. And somebody else says... Do you put the packet of soup into the pot straight from the packet or do you make up the soup with water first and then pour it in? Well, the way I remember my late mother making it was it was straight out of the pack and in and stirred. You've got to keep stirring really quickly so that it doesn't all go lumpy. That's the way I remember it. Now, maybe others do it differently. Maybe others make it up as a soup. But I would thought, no, you're adding it into the mixture that's in the pot and therefore that's the reason why it thickens. And thank you for, I can see... Uh, questions coming in for Peter Dowd we'll keep those coming please because Peter will be joining us in the next hour of the programme so keep those uh, coming in and and hopefully we'll get to all of those and people and Peter will be able to answer all of your questions Listener wants to know where in Formoy do you know of anywhere where they take in used Christmas cards in Formoy please anybody accepting used Christmas cards before somebody puts them into the recycling bin would like to pass them on and John says Patricia the winner is said to be a family in Belik in Drogheda and John says the word on the street is it's a very large family so if they're a big family they'll be able to spread the love around and they'll have fun spending the 175 million euro 1850 lines open John Paul taking your calls text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 Now we were all got it last Sunday when Mallow actress Demi Isaac was eliminated from the current series of Dancing with the Stars having wiped the tears away it's onwards and upwards and our Debbie joins us in studio this morning Good morning to morning. you Morning uh, You're looking great oh, and, ble- you. and bless your little heart I felt so sorry for you you couldn't help but show your emotions It was probably the toughest thing I've ever been through um, not only are you fighting for your chance in the competition but you're fighting against someone that you actually started the competition with which is Fred Cook and oh, yeah. Julia and Kai they're actually in a couple in real life their boyfriend and girlfriend yeah. so uh, myself Fred, Julia and Kai we would rehearse in the same studio space so I've seen him from the very start to literally Sunday when we were fighting for a chance on the show and when he felt it, like it broke my heart because I felt like he was just under so much pressure and it wouldn't be fair if I was to stay in the competition after he fell and there was just so many emotions going through me I just couldn't pinpoint one but the one that I could see from everyone in the audience was love everyone even the contestants everyone stood up and just gave me a hug and there was tears in everyone's faces and Oh, it's just, oh, it's just and, the, and there was tears because you really enjoyed I mean you were loving it oh, you I could was, see yeah. you were loving it like I 
originally came coming into the competition, I didn't want to win. And that's me being completely honest with you. I didn't want to win. I just wanted to have fun. I'm not going to be miserable and be stressing over steps and putting myself down when I could just have more fun with it. And for me to make it to week seven was an absolute blessing. And I thank everyone who supported me and voted for me every night to make me up or let me stay up to that week. And thank you so much. You're fantastic. Honestly. Okay, so take me back. You initially got a phone call. Was it to say, would you like to take part in Dancing with the Stars? How did that all come um, about? I originally, originally I had done the autumn launch for RT last August. Okay. And there they had different shows. So like, Obviously, the Young Offenders was there, um, Dancing with the Stars, Bridget Name, and all these things. And I had an interview with um, Jennifer, who plays Bridget and Bridget Name, and we were just talking, and I had the whole place laughing as you normally do. And then two or three weeks down the line, I get an email saying, "Would you like to participate in Dancing with the Stars?" And obviously, they had to take into consideration my age, um, where I was living, and like I might sit in school and stuff like that. But it took weeks of just thinking and thinking and thinking about it. Am I really going to do this? Am I really going to do this? I have my leaving start. Am I going to do this? I want to do it. I literally had to write out the pros and the cons of why I wanted to do it. But um, in the end, myself and my mum were like, sure, look, it only happens once. Might as well take it by the yeah. horns and go with it. And that's what I did. And here I am. Well then. done. Well, well done. Yeah. I was wondering, what was it just a quick snap decision? But obviously not. You put it, you oh, put weeks, it last, which yeah. is the right thing to, thing to do. So then you, you arrive and you start... You look like you have rhythm. Oh, do I, I, do you know what? I thought I had rhythm until <laughs> Kai Witherington, my partner, was like, can you do this step? The first day we met, he asked me to do a step and I was wearing a small little heel and he was standing, he's runners, whatever. And he was like, just move around with me. And I was like, oh my God, I feel so stupid. He was like, you have rhythm. I was like, I look like a constipated penguin. This is not normal. And he's like, no, you've got rhythm. And I was like, oh, all right. And then like, it was just like the dances we had, you think you'd need rhythm first, but it's actually very technical. So if you can move the upper part of your body, can you actually move your feet while doing that at the same time? There's a lot of technique to it. I think people underestimate the ability of dancing actually you think it's just like a one two step thing no it's a lot harder and it's the concentrate I mean I, it, whenever I'm looking at it I'm I'm always intrigued at all of the dances it's the concentration you're trying to I mean you're trying to hold the pose you're trying to smile and you're trying to remember what your feet should be doing yeah. and where your arms should be and yeah um, you just obviously for the first week I had cha-cha so which means that I wasn't really in frame I was kind of by myself yeah. Um, just shadowing Kai's position as they call it in technical terms anyway <laughs> um, but then the following week I had Foxtrot so that means that like I have to like rely putting half of my weight on him but not all of my weight because then he's just dragging me around the place it's like a lot harder than it looks um, your neck has to be left all the time and you have to like show a certain muscle to show but you can't push your neck it's so complicated <laughs> I can literally like write I an essay about it I wish because Demi's doing it all here in the, in the chair it's the head's so, going back and the arms are going it's over it's literally the only way you can explain to someone it's very very technical and then there's other dances like when I had my salsa it's just feet feet and like rhythm Okay. So you have to be able to like move your hips and stuff like that. He loved that. that one. I loved it. I yeah. loved it. And then the Charleston was just having a laugh. And then it was like the, the live show was obviously on the Sunday. And then I used, Monday then is what? New dance. So you forget last week and yeah. then start again. Yeah. Completely. And Everything. how many hours? Um, I was doing five, six hours because I 
mentally could not continue on. We've tried it before myself and Kai. We've tried two, seven, eight, maybe if we needed to. I would nearly cry because my brain was taking so much. But then other people like Johnny would do like 10, 11 hours. Or, I heard that, yeah. Uh, or 11, 12 hours. And then Cleona would do like eight, nine hours then as well. So it was just... I just don't know how they were coping because I couldn't do it. Yeah. I really couldn't. Physically and mentally? Mostly mentally. Physically, yeah. I probably could go on a bit longer, but you're taking in, so, like, it got to a certain point where there was a certain, like, at half three, that's when I started making small little mistakes that I wouldn't yeah. have made before. And it was like, why are you making them? I was like, I think I'm starting to overthink it because yeah. we're doing it so much. But Yeah. yeah. So, the, but the whole, the your, your favourite dance, I mean, can, can I just say to you, I, and I'm, th- I'm assuming it's the one dance the, the, the one for your dad um, it was because yeah. there was so much emotion and that's I wanted to make it to that week just to dedicate that dance to my dad yeah. um, he's like even when we started learning when I started learning the dance I had the routine down on the Tuesday and then on the Wednesday we played it to the music for the first time and I hadn't listened to the song since he died so we did that and then the Thursday we danced to it again and Friday we danced it again and it was still perfect it was still perfect very technical it was all perfect Saturday comes I watched the VT with my mom in it where she's talking about oh Demi's like this and Demi's this and her dad was I just started crying in the rehearsal the Sunday I just couldn't hold in the tears and I, she was right in front of me so I could see her crying that's when I lost it and that's when I started bawling into the camera I couldn't control but, it but you, you got through the dance that's all I wanted to do was get through the dance honestly I just wanted to get through the dance and just kind of look up to him and be like look I may not come down and visit you all the time, but I'm dedicating this dance to you kind of thing. And that's all I did. Yeah, I, I was on air the following day talking about it. I mean, I'm I'm emotional. I mean, the joke in my house is I, that I cry at news for the deaf. I'm 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 soft out. Um, but I've never watched somebody dance and cry. You made me cry. Watch oh, it. Thank you. It was the most beautiful piece I think I've ever seen it was just you know if you do nothing else in life you'll have that for, yeah. for, 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 forever, forever, yeah. forever more and was your dad a dancer no no <laughs> he, no. that man had no rhythm in him. did he not no, no. rhythm he could do a little you know the dad dance the shimmy. Where the sh- shimmy thing or the tap of the foot yeah. but apart no. from that the man couldn't dance to save his life no. honestly couldn't dance but like I said I just wanted to do one like the one thing I wanted to do in this competition was obviously to set a path for everyone else, to show that I'm enjoying myself, but also to dedicate something to my dad. And that's all I wanted to do. Oh, you've I, done that. I, that's, you, you've I done that. And you're only 18. Yeah. So you're the youngest contestant ever. ever. And I even think, uh, and, and I'm, I was trying to get the, the the information on this yesterday, I don't think anybody in over in England in Strictly Come Dancing, where it all originated from, I don't think they've ever had anybody I don't 18. think so either. No. Actually. Yeah. How, many, how many years? Is that 15 years? Running? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you know what? <laughs> As an 18 year old, I can understand why not many 18 year olds do it. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Like the first week, uh, first of all, I had to move over to Dublin by myself. I've never moved away from home for more than four days at least. And to move over there and you're like fending for yourself, you have to go around Dublin by yourself, it's mad. So, like, I can understand why no other 18-year-old has done it because it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. A lot of pressure. You know what it's like now to live away from home without... Oh, yeah. I literally had... Without very... Mammy picking up after you. No, <laughs> apparently I didn't because I didn't pay for anything. I didn't pay for electricity, the bins. And she was like, that's not living by yourself. That's just called having a holiday by that's yourself. That's true. That's and I true. was like, well, you can argue that. She yeah. goes, I'm being deadly right. Like, you can't <laughs> argue with that. I was like, okay. So what now? 
well at this moment. You're on midterm. I'm on midterm. You're going back to school next Monday? Back to school Monday. And I have my priest coming up soon. I'm going to be doing them separately. So I have my priest coming up soon. And then the Of course, you would have missed your priest. I met, yeah, yeah. I met, I missed my priest. So back to that. Okay. And the young offenders hopefully will be starting soon. So filming. Yeah. So I can't wait to be Linda Walsh and put Demi away for a little while and just be Linda. And have you, is, is that going to be this side of your exams or? We, it hasn't been decided yet, okay. but it should be either before or after. Yeah. So either way, I'll be diving straight into that in a couple of a few months. So and how long does that? How long do they film for? How long does that take? Um. Well, for me, last or when we started, uh, I was sixteen, so I can only do certain amounts of days and certain amounts of hours because I was a minor. But now yeah. because I'm uh, you're eighteen, I'm eighteen, a young you're adult. An adult. <laughs> <laughs> um, it could change. So yeah, it's up to them now. I just have to see the college. I look at me talking about work. I know. I know. It's weird. Do you do you love it? Do you absolutely love the I, young offenders? I, I love the young offenders, and I'm absolutely grateful to be part of it because obviously because of them. I wouldn't have done Dancing with the Stars. So yeah. it's like a ripple effect. Um, but I wouldn't change the way I got on anything. I wouldn't change anything, actually. I'm happy. I'm so happy. And so How did the Young Offenders come about? How did you? Did you audition um, for that? I auditioned for it, but I didn't know what I was auditioning for. Okay. So I hadn't watched the movie, so I didn't know anything about it. You hadn't it. watched the movie? I hadn't watched the movie. I've heard so much about it, but I was like, oh, it's going to be a load of rubbish now, isn't it? So I went off anyway, and I auditioned you to fill out an online application form in your experience if you look at my experience I had nothing I just literally had past pantomimes then you had to send away and two these videos. were in school these were in the school cool. pantomimes yeah. yeah so I listed so you them weren't in drama school or anything like that nothing no. I've no. never done anything like that Okay. Um, and then I sent two videos off and then I, I completely forgot about it. this was all on the deadline I sent off I completely forgot about it a month later I get a phone call from the casting director uh, Mike Foote who's the director's brother Peter Foote's brother and he's like well we want you to come in for an audition and I was like all right, cool. Don't remember what I uh, need to audition for. <laughs> he was like, I want to send you some stuff and you need to learn it and then come into us. I was like, okay. I read it, went in for the audition. Still hadn't watched the movie. Went in for the audition and I was like, okay. He was like, this is really good. And I was like, all right, thank you. And he was like, we want you to come in again, but this time we're going to meet the director and the two boys, the two main characters. I was like, what? The two main characters. I was like, all right. That day, I literally studied the movie. I didn't watch it. I studied it. I was like, okay, this is the way they're speaking. This is the way they are. This is their, their characters. Their, yeah, yeah, this is the way they talk. This is their lingo. This is all the jokes they have. I was like, all right, I've got this. And did you know whose girlfriend you were going to be? No, no you didn't. Okay. So I was up for Siobhan Orlinda. Oh, okay. So yeah. either way, it was yeah. win or lose kind of a thing. Um, so I went off anyway, and I met the two boys. I met the director, and I was like, okay, this is this is like. This is intense. They had a camera. They were recording my the, yeah. They were recording my audition. So I was like, okay. And he actually walked me. Peter Foot walked me back to my mom's car. And I was like, if you're a big A list like director, why are you yeah. walking back to my mom's car? And he had a private conversation with her. And I was like, this is strange. He said, like, we're going to get a taxi to collect you from home and bring you up the following day back up to us for another audition. I was like, all right, cool. That night, without me knowing, he actually rang my mom and told her that I got the part, but she couldn't tell me. So. He told her anyway that I got the part and I come back up, I come back up to Cork and there they all are, the whole cast, the crew, everyone's just standing there and they're like, well Demi, we want to tell you this, welcome to the Young Offenders TV series. And I was like, okay, cool, but where do I, where's my audition? He was like, no, you're part of the series, you're playing Linda Walsh. I cried. Oh, fantastic. I cried. And as they say, the, the rest is history. The rest is history. And is it great fun? Oh, When so you're making much. it. It's so much fun. Is it, yeah. Like I actually can't wait. That's how much fun it is. Like, yeah. it doesn't feel like work. I imagine. No, because you're just 
obviously you have to learn and you have to learn where you're standing and you have to learn a certain action but that's it naturally comes yeah. especially if you read the script it's like what would you naturally do yeah but it's because it's the, very well written isn't very it? Yeah. but like Peter Fudge the director he has a certain way of um, working so he does two takes with script and then the rest is improv well, you okay. just have to hit the points alright which is grand that's great yeah but um you got to see Cork in a different light. Like we were traveling around to, like we went to the Bellsfield, never yeah. been there before. It's, yeah. it's a beautiful view. Yeah. Luxury, you look over the city and it's fantastic. So it's, it's like a tour. Yeah. It's like a lot of friends. But it's, it's a fantastic showcase for Cork. I it's, mean, it's oh, just, um, definitely. It's, it's great. Okay. Lots of people saying what a beautiful, wonderful, funny young lady. We were all so proud of her. You're a winner in our book. Uh, Go Demi says somebody else. You, you were robbed last week. You should have won. Uh, somebody else saying she is fantastic. Congratulations to her. Who do you think is going to win Dancing with the Stars? The final three. Cleona Hagen. Johnny Ward and Mairead Ronan. Who do okay. I want to win? Yeah. I want Johnny or Cleona to win. And Johnny is really, really I'm really close to Johnny. Johnny Ward is an absolutely fantastic man, lovely man. And he's so down to earth. Cleona is an absolutely fantastic woman. We live together. So I know her more than, I say more than anyone else. So I want one of them to win, but I can see Mairead winning. And yeah. it, it's just, public voting who's voting more and yeah. who's going to get the most votes and, and the last the night will go down to the public vote yeah. yeah yeah. so that's the way it is But and will you be involved in the last night do they bring you all back or anything to know um, I, to my knowledge I, I think they bring back all the past contestants yeah. and we have one okay. group number one right. one last hurrah they say and um, yeah well it's it's been a pleasure good luck with the leaving cert Thank we'll you. keep in contact with you and good luck with the young offenders and it was uh, lovely to have you in the studio today thank you so much thank you you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed you can email Patricia at c103.ie. Now, the RSA has tweeted the show this morning. We're obviously listening to us on our chat with Deputy Andreas Moynihan about the shortage of driving testers and that's leading to the long delays for applicants for driving tests here in Cork and across the border in uh, Kerry. And they say that the RSA has written to Deputy Andreas Moynihan to confirm that the additional resources being deployed to tackle the backlog in Cork and that they are working to have a t- 10 week average by the end of March. Sunny, that's only a few weeks away. A priority request for a test, by the way, they say will also be accommodated. And they say, Patricia, the no show rate last week in Cork stood at 15%. 145 tests were also cancelled by applicants in Cork, which could be allocated to other candidates. And I think that's fair enough. If somebody gets a test date and then realises for whatever reason, they can't go along. Maybe they feel they're just not ready to take the test. Cancel it. But I think it's the no-shows at 15%. Because obviously if there's a no-show, they can't allocate that test to somebody else. Somebody simply doesn't turn up and the instructor is sitting there twiddling his thumbs, he or she, waiting for the next person to be uh, tested. And, you know, I think what one of our listeners earlier on said I think is right. I think that no-show rate, uh, I'm even surprised that it was at 15% for Cork. I'm imagining that that is going to fall because people are really desperate now to get their licence and to get their full licence as quickly as possible. And we hope that the RSA can achieve what they're hoping to do, a 10-week average by the end of March because Andreas Moynihan and the figures he had uh, was showing that in Cork, average waiting times 15.2 weeks with the longest standing at 19 weeks 
which that's almost double what the RSA are hoping their target time will be. In Mallow, applicants wait on average 17.4 weeks. In Skibbereen, it's at 18.8 weeks. And in Killarney, it's at uh, 15. And, you know, you wonder, is it the fact that Mallow and Skibbereen only have one tester? If they had more testers in Mallow and in Skibbereen, they certainly would be able to get through more uh, tests because, I mean, there's nearly 2,000 people waiting on a test at the centre in Mallow with only one tester. You know, so that's, it's going to take a while to get through that. Anyway, let's keep our fingers crossed and see the RSA. They're doing their best. They are employing new and testing up new driver testers and as soon as they get those out and working we'll be able to work through the uh, backlog and by the way if somebody from the RSA is still listening to us to let you know we did send an email off trying to get the answer to a question that came in from a listener who was wondering if a learner driver has a qualified driver accompanying him in the car and a learner driver must have a qualified driver accompanying him in the car does the qualified driver have to be insured on the car that the learner driver is driving. Which, yeah, I don't know the answer. I I don't know the answer to that. And that can happen. I mean, obviously, if it's parents, in many cases, when you have a learner driver, it is the parents will be driving them around. So they'll be driving around in their car, in the parents' car, because that's where the majority of young people learn to drive is in mummy and daddy's car. So obviously, mummy or daddy will be insured on that car. But what this listener is asking is if I decide to, I am a fully insured driver on my car, but if I decide to sit into John Paul's car and John Paul is a learner driver and I decide to be his qualified accompanied driver, but I'm not insured on his car, how does that work out? Are you okay to do that? Because I know somebody else was asking last week about does the person, the qualified driver, what if they've had a few drinks? Can they be bagged? Was what somebody was asking. You know, that if, I think the, the story was that a dad had gone to the pub on a Sunday night and his son had driven him to the pub so he'd get a bit of driving experience in. Dad went in, had a couple of pints, son was in there, you know, uh, chatting away and whatever not drinking obviously and then the son drove was driving him home and somebody in the pub said but you're as the qualified driver you're over the limit and he said well I'm not driving my son is going to drive and somebody said are you allowed to do that and that was checked with the RSA and that is allowed because they can't bag the person who's you know because they were saying if they were stopped at a checkpoint would the qualified driver be bagged but it's not the qualified driver uh, isn't driving no I'm not saying that the person the qualified accompanying driver would be absolutely legless but if they'd had a few pints and were over the limit they are okay because they're not going to be bagged but anyway we're waiting to get an email back from the RSA John Paul has emailed them and we're just waiting on a response to see does the qualified driver does that person have to be insured on that particular car 1850 what else is coming into us today lots of questions Peter Dowder keep those uh, coming just on a couple of different uh, issues hi Patricia just wondering about people's feelings on other people parking in disabled parking bays well I think the majority of people just go nuts and there's nobody can justify watching an able-bodied person parking in a disabled parking bay. It's just utterly selfish and annoying. 
Well, here's a little story that our listener wants to share with us in our local national school. One of the staff members continues to park on a disabled parking bay. It drives me cuckoo, says this listener. I know this teacher was asked why they are doing it before and the reply was, it's always been my spot. It was converted a few years ago for a child who started at the school that required the disabled parking space. Obviously there was a child in a wheelchair. Now the child is no longer in the school. So the teacher has resumed using the parking spot instead. Is it not, says this listener, setting a very bad example for the school children to see a teacher show such little disregard for people with disabilities? End of text. Now, how do people feel about that? OK, so it's a disabled parking bay at a school that is not, it's not needed as a disabled parking bay. Let's, let's get that out there first. There's nobody in the school has special needs. There's no little child in the school in a wheelchair. There's nobody there that needs to use that every day for drop-off and collection. So the teacher has decided, well, it's a free parking space. Why shouldn't I take it? There's going to be nobody parked there all day. Doesn't need to be for drop-off. Doesn't need to be for pick-up. Sure, I'll use the space uh, uh, instead. Is the teacher within? You know, are we is it okay for the teacher to do that? Or can you see it from this other parent's point of view? I, th- I think the most valid point is a bit at the end. It's the is it is it a very bad example? The other school children will obviously be seeing this teacher park every single day on a disabled parking bay. Without a, without a blue badge, nothing wrong with this teacher other than it's obviously a convenient parking space. Does that tell the children that when they're out driving with their mummy and daddy and if they need to get a parking space somewhere and they see the blue disabled bay, can you see the children saying, yeah, it's OK because our teacher does that all the time at school and there's nothing wrong with it and it's her parking space and you're allowed uh, to do it. Your views welcomed on, on that. The fact that this teacher has been approached and asked, why are you doing it? And for her to say, uh, for this teacher to say, she's almost my spot, I'm baffled by. I'm really baffled by that, that a teacher would actually say that. Because I would have thought that if somebody had said, why are you parking on the Blue Disabled Bay? I would have thought that the teacher would have been a bit mortified and said, oh, I know, you know, kind of thing, oh, yeah, no, I shouldn't. I, I suppose I better move to a different space. But, you know, the, the view is it's a, it's a parking space. It's obviously right outside the school because it was put in place for a little little child, a little boy, a little girl in a wheelchair that needs to use it. So it will be very close to the school. Back again to that issue of we, we want to get as close as we can. It's like when we're parking at the supermarket, we will drive around until we can find the space that's closest to the front door instead of parking a little bit away and getting a bit of exercise. So it was all the world of good. But we all seem to have picked up a lazy gene along the way. The only thing I will say, OK, I know that disabled Bay isn't needed anymore for that child. But what if somebody else is visiting the school? Or what if you had, there's a lot of grandparents are doing the school runs in the morning and doing the school pickups in the afternoon. And some of them mightn't be as mobile. Some of them may even have a blue badge. And maybe they'd like to park 
on the bay when they're going in to collect uh, a grandchild. I wonder has the has the teacher ever ever thought about that? Anyway, your thoughts welcome, Donna. Please eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Stephen is back about the flower pots that have been erected on the plaza in uh, Mallow, and he'd sent in a, an earlier text where he was saying about the waste of public money, and I thought he was referring to the flower pots. And he comes back to correct me and says, Patricia wasn't referring to the flower pots when I text you about wasting public public money. I meant the entire plaza and the traffic lights thing and the problem with the traffic lights at the lower end of Mallow. What did it cost? Was it hundreds of thousands of euro? And to do what? Uh, the plaza simply choked Mallow with traffic jams and it choked them with traffic jams when there wasn't traffic jams there before, says Stephen, and it came at a cost. I can't, I know there was, I'd have to, I'd have to go back and do a bit of research on that. I know there was figures before on how much the plaza was going to cost. But remember, the plaza was kind of the last act of the Mallow town council which no longer exists but the town councillors and the town council wanted to leave something behind and that's what they decided uh, to leave behind. I think if you look at it the actual plaza is is lovely. It's just where it is. I think that's the problem everybody has with this plaza is where it actually is. And Pat by text says Patricia I'm just wondering did you or any of your listeners watch the Tonight Show last night and I have to hand, uh, uh, put my hand up and say I didn't but maybe I'll be able to catch Will I be able to get it on catch-up TV? Is it on catch-up? It probably is. Anyway, the reason Pat mentions it and wonders what other listeners, if they did watch it, what did they think? Niall Boylan, the broadcaster, was on. And according to Pat, Niall Boylan stood up for middle-class Ireland and he spoke about the welfare state that we live in. The left-wing politician was dumbfounded, (laughs) said Pat, and had no case to make. Fair play to Niall Boylan on his stance. It's politicians like him that we should be electing. Cheers, says Pat. And Niall Boylan can be quite radical in his uh, views. Would he make a good politician? He probably would because the man certainly is well able to talk. But coincidentally now that you've mentioned that he was talking about a welfare state an interview that we're doing tomorrow is a report that came out we were hoping to do it today but just the the professor behind the report wasn't available to us today so we're going to do it tomorrow it's a report that has come out this week that is looking at low paid workers in this country and the number of low paid workers who the state is propping up by social welfare payments be they job seekers allowance our family income supplement our the children's allowance whatever it is payments from social welfare and that's what's keeping the families out of poverty for many of these families they're very close to to poverty and it's kind of having a pop at the employers who are paying such low wages and giving such insecure contracts to workers like the zero hour contracts for ex- for example and they're those workers are being buffered by the state payments and it really is shining a spotlight on that whole issue of welfare payments and are the, are the welfare is the Department of Social Welfare actually helping out these employers by paying the difference to the workers when really it's the employers should be paying more but it really shines a light on something that Father Sean Healy has spoken about many times on this programme and the issue of the working poor and I don't think we've ever had as many working poor and people who go out to work. They get up early, what Leo Varadkar says, they get up early every morning and they go out to work but their pay is so low or their hours 
are so insecure and they get such little hours that they have to rely on social welfare and even though they're working they are the working uh, poor so we're going to look at that in more detail tomorrow and in the meantime Pat thank you for flagging up that programme I will see if I can get some time today to take a look at the tonight's show last night to see what Niall Boylan had to say 1850 keep the gardening questions coming in for Peter The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses, supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie Blood Transfusion uh, Board are holding donor clinics in the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen They're there today, 3 to 5 this afternoon and 7 to 9 tonight Please go along and give blood Cork Nature Network are holding a talk on pollinators and biodiversity. It's happening uh, at McCroom Library today. Uh, feel free to pop along. For Moy Widows Association, they're meeting 8.15 tonight. The resource centre in Moy, all widows and their friends are welcome. There will be a beef planning meeting in the West Lodge Hotel in Bantry tomorrow night at 8. All beef farmers are invited to attend. While Hurley Centre in Mallow, they're hosting a coffee morning for Mallow Daffodil Day Committee. Now they're hosting it this Friday from 10am to 12 noon. Your all support for the Irish Cancer Society is very much appreciated. And you're invited to enjoy a beautiful evening with music and afternoon tea in Longueville House Hotel on this, on, no not this Saturday, it's Saturday the 23rd of March from 2pm to 430 it's a fundraiser for the Irish Kidney Association Renal Support House in Cork. Tickets are €35. Euro. They're available from Margaret on 086 824 It's a perfect treat and goodie bags for the first 100 tickets that are purchased. On parking in disabled bays, which always garners uh, reaction, and particularly on the teacher who is continuing to park in a disabled bay that is no longer needed for a child in the school but our original caller is making the point, is it not setting a very bad example for the other school children to see a teacher parking in a disabled bay when she doesn't need it and doesn't have a blue badge? Somebody says, on the teacher parking in the disabled spot, she should be ashamed of herself and be shamed about it as well. well I think somebody somebody has asked her and doesn't, she's not for moving, uh, that's for sure. And then a person says, we have a woman in Mill Street who parks in one of the disabled bays every Sunday morning. She does have one of the blue badges. Now, this is where the bus comes in. But she doesn't need it. She was sick years ago, but she's fine now. You see, you don't know that. You absolutely don't know that. And remember, not all, some disabilities are hidden. So, you know, be, I'm always very wary of people jumping in and saying that person doesn't need that badge. You don't know. You genuinely don't know. And she may have been very unwell years ago, but she may have been left with some sort of a complaint that doesn't allow her to walk very far. And for that reason, she's entitled to her blue badge. So just be careful before people jump in and start saying why somebody should have one. If somebody's abusing a badge, if somebody's taking a badge belonging to somebody else, absolutely have a go at them but if somebody has been given the blue badge they were given it because a doctor signed off on it and hopefully no one would apply for one unless they genuinely needed it and if they no longer needed it you would like to think that they would stop using it or that they would hand it back after the two years and wouldn't apply for a renewal that's what you'd like to think now this is an interesting text that says in the interest of equality here please I was looking for a parking space one day at a shop 
I'm 24 weeks pregnant so would have loved one near the door. No spaces were available. Ended up having to park uh, really far away. I noticed about 10 disabled spaces with only two of them occupied. So there was eight disabled spaces free. Now this listener, even though 24 weeks pregnant, didn't park in one of the disabled bays. Then I noticed there was a disabled badge on a car in one of the normal spaces. Should they be allowed to do that? Also, when my when when I had my baby, when I was out with my baby, I used a disabled toilet, which I think should be called something else because to accommodate more such as parents with buggies and young children. Anyway, I was verbally attacked by a woman in a wheelchair because I was in her toilet. If I'm wrong, where do I go? I can't leave my baby in a public area while I use the toilet. Fair is fair at thanking you. I would see absolutely nothing wrong with a mother pushing a pram into the disabled toilet because they're wide enough and big enough to go in and, and use the toilet I would see nothing wrong with it and actually a lot of the disabled toilets are also baby changing rooms because of the size of them you can get the pram in go to the toilet and change the baby at the sa- same time so I would have it, it's it's not nice that you were abused by somebody in a wheelchair who obviously was having a bad day and is obviously sick of able-bodied people using the toilet not an able-bodied person with the pram but I certainly would see nothing wrong I'd be interested in other people's uh, thoughts uh, on that. And as for why somebody with a blue badge was parked in a normal space when there was disabled spaces, it is very possible that the person that that disabled badge is allocated to wasn't in the car. And if the person isn't in the car, then whoever else is driving it is not entitled to park in in the disabled spaces. And so that would be my justification uh, for that one. But absolutely, when you're out with your baby and you need to go to the toilet or you need to change the baby, it's into the disabled uh, toilets you need to be going. I can't think of anywhere else that you can go uh, with your smallie. On, oh, this is on learner drivers, qualified driver, the person accompanying the learner driver, does that person have to be insured to drive the car? Thank you, Maura, for this. Maura says, Patricia, I recently insured my car with Aviva. My daughter will be 17 in April. She has her theory test done, well done. And by insuring with Aviva, I can put her on my policy in April, pay €500 for the 12 lessons, but she can only drive the car provided me and my husband are with her as we are the two qualified drivers of the vehicle. Now that's interesting. So now is that something that Aviva insists on? That the, your daughter you can't nominate it can only be mum or dad can sit in the car with that young 17 year old when she goes out on the road she can't have an aunt or a granny or a granddad or anybody else Um, that could be something that Aviva have decided to do I don't know we're still waiting on don't know if we've had anything back from the RSA we're still waiting for the RSA uh, to come back to us on that one so maybe it is something maybe it is something around the RSA again about the query and they're looking into this to make sure there are 100% with the answer but they have our query logged okay so we're still waiting on an answer so we've confused we've confused the RSA uh, with our question Margaret and Kilmurray says my son is driving since he was 17 and he is 6 years driving never had a scratch or a tip 
He's one of the lucky ones. But if he is a learner driver and I am beside him, but if he makes a mistake, what can I do? It's not a dual controlled car. What can I do? I can warn him coming up to a dangerous junction, but nobody knows what's around the corner or ahead. I would like to hear people's views on that. That's on the whole thing of how much control does the qualified driver have? Well, I think the qualified driver is there. They're certainly not there to grab the steering wheel or to pull up the handbrake or do anything that a dual control car, you know, would be able to do or somebody's teaching somebody to drive when they're in a dual control car. But they're there, I suppose, I would see that they're there firstly to keep the driver calm. They're there absolutely to point out to somebody, you know, be very careful coming up here. It's a very dangerous junction. Start slowing down now to offer advice to them. You know, keep an eye out. There's a little boy playing football up here. If that ball comes out in the road, he might run out from behind a car. Look out for that. I know this road well. There's going to be a dip here in the road. Those, you know, you just kind of talk them through it. I'm assuming that that's what you're there for. And also, if they have any questions, and it's just, it's more, and it's you're, you're sitting in the car to help them gain the experience that they need driving. But you're not there to take over the driving. I think that's one of the reasons why the qualified driver can't be bagged if you were stopped and they were bagging uh, people and you'd had a few pints, you know, would you still, are you still entitled to be the qualified um, driver? But yeah, but I absolutely accept your point that you can't, you, you, mistakes, you can still, you can still have an accident. It's not to say that an accident uh, won't uh, happen. But anyway, we'll see how others feel. This one wants to know how do others feel about it as well, that really are they, are you of any use in the car when you don't have dual control you can't stop the learner driver. You can advise them, but you can't. You can't. You know exactly. Grab the steering wheel and stop them from getting involved in uh, an accident. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. If there is this John and Mitchell, if there's no disabled parking space available, you are allowed to park in a space that's not allocated for a disabled driver. Absolutely. But our, our pregnant mum just thought it was unfair that the person took a space that was near to the door of the supermarket when there was disabled space that the person could have parked in. She just felt that they were taking up a parking space for able-bodied drivers. 1850-333-103. Let's take a break and let's come back and get your gardening questions answered with Peter Dowdle. Hi, Martina here. Join me every weekday from 4 to 7 for Drive Time, where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest traffic information. We'll spread some positivity with our feel-good story and song of the day. And of course, we'll be serving up a generous portion of Cork's greatest hits. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And Peter Dowdell, the Irish uh, gardener, joining us, answering all of your gardening questions. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Attempting to answer all of the gardening uh, questions. You always do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, I don't know, and we've a lot of them in, so we'll do our best to get through them all. It's always the problem trying to get all the questions to you. And we're heading into uh, what gorgeous spring like weather. I mean, we're looking at 15, 16 degrees on Saturday. I know, I know. It's great, I am, isn't it? I enjoyed a lovely few days in the beautiful village of Adair this, earlier this week with, with the kids on, on midterm and watching the countryside spring to life is, is it's great. amazing, it's gorgeous and it, of course it also goes hand in hand with uh, 
my life over the next few months now just goes nuts with, no. with busyness. Everything starts beginning to happen now. So yeah, it's a lovely time of the year. Well, it's great to see people out in the garden and already the smell of cut grass is everywhere, which is which is uh, terrific. Okay, a couple of people, I can put these questions in together because there's a few questions in about uh, Liz was on, for example, and so was Maraid. Could you ask Peter, is it okay to prune apple trees? And John in Limlara, is it too late to prune apple trees? And if not, how far back can I cut them, please? I would say it is too late, unfortunately. You've got a pretty specific window with apple trees. It's kind of November, you know, even into December we'll be getting a bit late. If you prune them now, you're not, you know, it's like most things, if you prune them at the wrong time of the year, you won't damage them as such, but you will probably sacrifice this year's fruit. So if that doesn't bother you, you could still prune away, but you will be most likely sacrificing this year's fruit. Better to wait, being honest with you, till November of this year. Okay, a listener uh, deliberately puts in a big long name. Hi, hi, Peter. I have a Berberis Darwinia. Darwinia? Yeah, Darwinia, hedge, yeah. Darwinia yeah. hedge, about six years old now. I've noticed that a few of them have a lot of moss on the branches and are kind of dried out. Is there anything I can put on them to help them along? And what kind of fertiliser would you recognise? Would you recommend? Okay, the, the, the moss of the branches shouldn't be anything to worry about. It could be moss or it could also be lichen. Now, lichen growth is a kind of good sign in your branches because it's a sign of a good, clean environment, a good, clean air. So if it's lichen, then that's a good sign. And it's really, even if it's moss, it's not something I'd worry about. It's not something you need to, to take to, to, to do anything about. Now, if, if what she said in the end of that sentence that it's looking a bit dead, is it? A bit kind of dried out. Yeah, if the foliage is looking dead or dried out, in other words, that should be, it's an ever-barbarous Darwinia, it's a good, strong, dark, evergreen hedge, so it should be looking that way. If it's looking dried out or dead, then there is something to look at. I don't think it'll be caused by the mass of the lichen, but there, it might just be coincidence. I'd send a picture of it into yourselves or send it to me on Facebook, uh, and I'll certainly have a look at it. Um, but if it's if it's still solid green, I wouldn't be too worried about it. In terms of fertilising it, uh, yeah, as you say, we're coming into 15, 16 degrees, so you could probably start feeding it now with uh, any good general purpose. Goulding's do a very good liquid general purpose fertiliser, which is what I'd probably use. Mary in Bishopstown, when to cut a rambling rose? It's gone quite tall. How do I cut it and how much do I cut it by? I'm never too sure. Should I treat it the very same way as other roses? A rambling rose can be cut back at this time of the year, before the end of February. And there's a very technical term when it comes to cutting back rambling roses, and it's hack it back. Just cut it back as hard as you want. <laughs> uh, it, it, it'll be very forgiving, don't worry. With climbers and with other roses, there's a bit more to it. But with a rambling rose, it, it does as it sounds. It just rambles, it grows very, very quickly. Yeah, you can cut it back as hard as you want, and now is the time to do it. Okay, my hedge, says a listener, is a mixture of Grisolinia and Escalonia. It's uh, has got very wide. Is it possible to narrow it in? It is possible, and that does happen. You get a good, solid, evergreen wall. But yes, as, you, as, as they've discovered there, it can take a good few feet off the garden as well. It is possible to narrow it in, but be careful not to do it too much too soon. So in other words, if if it's let's say four or five foot wide, which it could be, and if you cut it back to one foot wide in one go, that'll be too much shock to the plant and it'll, the hedge will just die. So don't do that. So really, I'm afraid, all you can do is is cut it in as far as the furthest in leaf, if you know what I mean. So in other words, if you look at the hedge from the outside in, there'll be no leaves in the centre of the hedge. They'll all be around the, the, the outside, the, the extremities of each plant. So you might be able to cut it back six or eight inches so what I'm trying to say is cut it back as hard as you can, ensuring that you leave some foliage on it. Yeah. 
okay, which probably will only be a few inches. But what you can do then is that will force it or that will cause the plant to regenerate further back, further in, if you know what I mean. So then you can cut it another few inches. So this will be a gradual job over, I would say, two or three years that you will manage to, to, to you manage to cut a good bit off it, but you'll have to be assiduous every time you see a bit of new growth further back, cut it back. So you will get there, but it, it's going to be a gradual job. Okay, John says, in the cold weather, I stopped putting out food for the birds to see, would they use the red berries on the conaster plant? Coniaster. Coniaster yeah. plant, uh, but no good. Why do birds not eat those berries? They do. Birds do feed on the coloniaster berries. I suspect what happened is uh, uh, they might have found a neighbour with easier food. They might have found yeah. a neighbour with seed out. Um, they will feed in coloniasters. It wasn't that cold this year, so they, they've been able to feed on grubs and things in the, in the ground as well. Um, coloniasters, uh, particularly blackbirds, they love them, uh, as, as they do the pyracantha berries. Things like holly and that, which we all think of as berry plants for birds, uh, would be actually one of the last the berries that they go for. They do eat it, but it's, they leave it to a last resort. So hollies would often be, be left on. You'd expect the Catoniasters to go sooner. So why they didn't eat his Catoniaster, uh, I'm no not idea. sure. It's probably they were too mollycoddled. There could well have been bird feeders near, nearby. In, in another garden, yeah. Hi, uh, Peter. My roses were full of black spots and that uh, last summer. What's the best spray? How do I handle it for this year? Best way to handle black spot is a fungal infection uh, and prevention is better than cure for all fungal infections on plants I would say so uh, cultural control is the kind of go-to term for, for most fungal infections like this and what that means Trish is good pruning good plant husbandry so in other words prune your rose bush now before the end of February to create a good open centre so you don't want too much uh, air congestion in the middle of the plant you want good air circulation Fungal infections like this will thrive in an area where there's poor air circulation and damp. So if it's very congested with a lot of leaves and stems, fungal fungal infections will thrive there. So so cut them back quite hard to leave a good open centre. Um, don't leave any dead or diseased material around the base of the plant because those fungal spores will just get back into the soil and it'll just get worse and worse. So prune it. Uh, make sure all diseased material is removed from it and feed it, feed it with the Goulding's liquid rose food. Uh, I would say probably end of, end of February, early March onwards, just after you've pruned it, uh, do that. And Oh, sorry, and the most important bit then, of course, is treat it as a preventative measure with uh, uh, copper sulfate copper sulfate which is a good broad spectrum organic fungicide and as I say it works much better to help the rose getting the black spot than curing it so okay. try and prevent it getting it Okay what's happened from listeners saying I've got an amaryllis which is in a pot outside has been for the last five years it flowers every year but now this year there are four quite big bulbs coming off the original one what's the best way to separate them? Well, that, that, that's what that's how they propagate naturally, and if they have it going for five years, she's been doing very, very well. Uh, there's no mystery to it. Take the whole the whole clump of bulbs out of the pot, uh, and r- just literally prise each bulb off. Uh, they'll all you'll you'll see they're all coming from the one little root system down the end. Just pry, literally pull the bulbs apart as you would a daffodil bulbs or anything like that. Just pull them apart, pot each one of them up into their own individual pot. You don't want the pot to be much bigger than the bulb, maybe only an inch in diameter more than the small bulbs. Uh, The small bulbs, which, as I say, they aren't that small at the moment, but they would possibly take a couple of years before they're at flowering stage. Uh, When you're planting them, plant them as you have the original bulb, so about a third, if not a half, of the bulb is up over the soil surface. 
uh, and give it time and replant your original bulb back into the pot it was in. And off you go again? Off you go again. Give them all a feed with something like a good quality tomato food and off you go again. Okay, Mary in Bishopstown has a standard red robin tree planted a good few years ago. I cut it back last year, but then the drought came and nothing has happened since. I love that bush. Have I lost it? (laughs) When she says nothing has happened, it sounds to me like she cut all the foliage off. Yeah. Uh, Cut it back really hard. Yeah, it's like I said with the hedge, you don't want to cut all the foliage off. You need to leave some on. So if, if she did do what it sounds like, she cut all the foliage off in the middle of the drought and it hasn't produced a leaf since. I'm very nervous for her, I'm afraid. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. So all I'm going to say is, uh, I'm going to hedge, pardon the pun, I'm going to hedge the question and say wait and see. But I, I think if there isn't a leaf to be seen in this, then it's definitely bad news. Again, if you want, send a picture in to yourselves or to myself and we'll have a look at it. Yeah, I did something similar with something in my garden as well and realised after the after the event what I'd done and, okay. yeah, and I didn't well, save look, it. We, we all learn from our We do, we do. Yeah. Uh, for apple trees with the moss on the apple trees that you mentioned, can you wash it off with water or something or just leave it there? I'd leave it. If moss or lichen, I would leave it. Uh, it won't really wash off of water. It'll come off physically. So in other words, if you rub it even with your hand and your thumb or, or a scrubbing brush, it'll come off. But uh, it's only really for aesthetics that you'll be taking it off. I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Can a lemon plant be transferred from indoors to outdoors? I'm going to say yes and no, which is, I know, a vague answer. But what I mean by that is it can be transferred outside for the summer months. Certainly not now. It's too early. Uh, during maybe the month of May, second half of May, you could move it out. Um and probably move it back in second half of September. So it'll, it'll do with a little summer holiday outside, but yeah. no, certainly would need to be indoors for, for longer than that. Though there's a good friend of mine, in fact, he'd be laughing if he knew he was being spoken about on a gardening programme, but he has absolutely no interest in gardening. But he, he got a present of a lemon plant about five years ago, and he left it out in his patio ever since, and it's still thriving and still fine. That It's never produced lemons, and now will it outside. But it's still alive, just to disprove everything I just said. No, but no the, the advice yeah. would be bring it out for the summer and back and in. And then the ba- back in. Can I cut back a Clematis Montana, please, as a listener? It's trailing on a wall. You can cut it back, absolutely, and you can cut them back hard, but don't dream of doing it at the moment because you will lose all this year's flowers, which are just about to emerge in about a month's time. And it's one of, for me, it's one of the highlights of the spring season is seeing that Montana come into flower, that lovely pink flower mothers the plant only for about two weeks if the truth be told it's a very temporary display but well well worth it so that Montana will produce its flower buds uh, on growth produced the previous year so in other words the buds are already ready to come so don't touch it now but straight after it's flowered which will probably bring roughly the end of April you can cut it back then as hard as you want Okay alright so we wrap it up are you busy this week have you something coming on? I am. I just want to mention one thing, Trish, if I may, and it's later today. It's later today, and it's something I'm passionate about, as you know, and it's what's happening to this wonderful world of ours in terms of biodiversity and what we're doing to it. Uh, I'll be on with Dahi on the Today Show later, and I'll be talking about the importance of of growing our own food and particularly using locally sourced seeds. Brown Envelope Seeds in West Cork are one of only two companies in Ireland which, believe it or not, produce food seeds, Irish food seeds, and it's very, very important to get locally produced seeds. And I'll be having a bit of a rant on the programme about <laughs> our overuse of plastic and about, you know, everybody is saying, oh, yes, I feel very important. Bees are very important and all this. But we need to stop talking about it. We need to take action. We Absolutely. need to leave the plastic in the supermarket. We need to start doing stuff. Government needs to lead the way, but they're not. It's, we're so far from the government agenda. It's not funny. So individuals need to take action. I'm delighted to see the school kids are beginning to mobilise because it affects them more than 
anybody. We'll be gone, Trish, but this the school kids will be in a in a, in a world and which is a very different place to know. You know, you're so si- I, you're singing off my hymn sheet. I'm constantly saying we all have to do our own bit. We can't leave it up to anybody else. It's it's gone it's gone it's, it's gone beyond that. And I'm I'm no longer apologising for being alarmist. Now I'm not. It's getting too serious. It's getting far too important. And what I would urge people to do, if they would, we need to get this on the agenda. So please watch the, the Beyond the Today Show later, if you can at all. If you agree with what I'm saying, please let RTE know. Please get on to the programme. Uh, RTE need to start covering more of this. We need to get this. We need to get this onto the, 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 as I say, onto the agenda. People need to start talking about it. RTE needs to start talking about it better. In fairness, they're, they're, they are allowing me to have my rant today, uh, and Dahi is also fully in agreement with yourself and myself. But we can no longer start saying, "Oh yes, the, 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 the garden is a lovely place. The bees are very important," and at the same time, poisoning the garden by dumping plastic and by using chemicals. This is becoming too serious. We are now in the period of mass extinction. Uh, I would like my children to, to, to live in a, a safe planet in 60 years' time. So please watch it if you get a chance at all. And either on social media or by email, please contact RTE if you agree with what I'm saying and let them know. OK. All right. Good luck with it. We look forward to Thanks. seeing you later on. Thanks for that. That is uh, Peter Dowdell at the irishgardener.com. And uh, by the way, just to, to clarify, when we were talking about the learner drivers and the fully licensed driver having drink on board, I, what I was talking about earlier was somebody was questioning could that person be breathalyzed and we were told no but a number of people are pointing out that if you are the fully qualified driver sitting in with the learner driver you must be capable of driving the car home if the learner driver is not capable so you do need to have a full license um, and you also need to be insured on the car Mm. Okay, well that that we're still waiting for the RSA to come back with us on an answer. Um, does the person need to be insured on the car if they need to be able to take over, and if they need to be able to drive the car? Then obviously, one hundred percent, I agree with you. They're going to need to be insured on the car. So that might be our question answered. But on the drinking one because the argument and the and the example we used was a young lad driving, a young 17-year-old on a learner permit driving his dad home from the pub who had had a few pints. Dad couldn't, wasn't wasn't legless, wasn't, had had two or three uh, pints, was over the legal limit for driving. So he wouldn't have been capable of taking over the car if he had needed, you know, for whatever reason the son wasn't capable but what the question was being asked was that if there was a checkpoint would the insured the fully qualified driver be bagged and we were told no but listen while we're on to the RSA about the other issue of having to be insured no doubt they'll give us they usually give a lot of information when they when they answer these questions but we can put that we can go back on that point as well and uh, find out just exactly um, does the qualified driver have to be capable of driving the car therefore do they have to make sure that they're not uh, over the limit and I can see a lot of people texting in on the teacher who's parking in the disabled bay 
outside of a school. We'll go back over all of those uh, comments and we might pick up on this again tomorrow. Uh, but that's where I have to leave you for today and thank you. I can still see more questions coming in for Peter. Uh, we'll try and make a note of some of them um, and hold hold off on them and Peter will be back with us next week. But my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Mark is with you for the afternoon. He's sitting in for Nick Richards. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. <laughs> when we play two songs together from the superstar of the day. Yeah! C103 Cash Tracks. With Cavanaugh's, the new name for Ford and Mallow. For new and used car sales, visit Cavanaugh's.com. On the home of Cork's greatest hits. C103. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.